This is the Extravagant Promises Podcast, and I'm your host, Gregory. Are these extravagant promises? We think not. This is a podcast about reckoning, recovery, and redemption. Today I bring you episode 31, We Think Not. I'm going to just jump right in. This is going to be a very short episode, hopefully. Um, And uh, as you listeners know, I'm living over in La Serenissima, uh, also known as Venice, Italy, and just really doing a lot of healing and a lot of thinking and a lot of praying and attending meetings. Um, there's a great meeting here, and I'm really excited to be a part of this recovery community here in, in Venice. So today, I July 19, 2019, I celebrate four years of continuous uninterrupted sobriety. That's uh, 1,461 24-hour days, 24 hours strung together. And I am, I'm pretty darn relieved and pleased and excited. And, um, And I, so anyway, I wanted to focus the episode on that. I wanted to focus the episode on 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 really um, three quick things. Number one is sort of what happened. Um, number two is how I did it, and number three is how it is now. And I'm not telling my full story or anything like that, so don't tune out. <laughs> but you know, on July nineteenth, two thousand fifteen, I was sitting, um, and again, I'm I'm repeating things that have been in past episodes, but but. You know, I was sitting in my apartment. It wasn't a, a shitty apartment, as I've said, but it it wasn't great. You know, certainly my ego wasn't loving it. It was a fancy kind of downtown rental in in my city that you know had young people and 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 you know where whereas it might mark you know they're they're going up up the the ladder of of life and success. I I felt like I was coming down it. And I was sitting in the apartment with a buddy of mine from the UK um, named Eamon, or Eamon. And um, Eamon was, uh, um, he's just a super cool guy, you know. Um, if you can imagine Idris Elba having a, a black belt in judo and jiu-jitsu that's, and, and being one of the smartest, most compassionate, intelligent guys I've ever met, that's Eamon. And we went out to breakfast with my brother and his daughter who had come through town. And, you know, I was at that point waking up every morning in a complete 3.30 in the morning in a complete state of utter panic, heart racing uncontrollably, covered in sweat. I mean, I, I'm, I, I don't know what my housekeeper thought I was doing in that bedroom, but it sure wasn't good stuff that was generating that sweat. But my God, I would sweat in the night and just my heart would race and I would just pray to die. And, um, 
I would wake up throughout the night and the only words that would come out of my mouth were fuck, 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 fuck. Just like that, it sucked. And so we're sitting in, in my apartment on that Sunday and um, Eamon, we've cottoned back from breakfast with my brother. He's come through town with his daughter to see a concert. I think they saw the Killers or something like that. And and Eamon knows my brother. And anyway, we're sitting in the in my living room, and he says, "You know, your brother's worried about you." And I said, "Really? Did he say something?" He said, "No." I said, "Well, how do you know?" He said, "I, I just knew, you know." And I said, "Well, what's he worried about?" And he said, I don't know, but I'm worried about your drinking. And, you know, that was all it took. I just, I said to him, I said, would you go to a meeting with me? Would you go to an AA meeting with me? And he said, yes. And, you know, we went and that was the first day of the rest of my life. That was the day that I got sick and tired of being sick and tired. And I had kind of reached that point where if this didn't work, um, there was probably only one other option. That's how bad it had gotten. So, you know, it took, I would say, um, I mean, that, that, that ship was heading for the iceberg or had hit the iceberg and was sinking or the plane was in rapid descent, you know, and in free fall. You, you, you name the metaphor. That's what was going on. And I, I needed to, um, apparently they're rebuilding, you know, the, the, the Basilica San Marco or something outside. <laughs> that power saw. I don't know if you can hear that. But anyway, um, my apologies. I lost my microphone um, in Florence. And um, I guess I got to say like Fidenzi, you know, if I'm going to sound cool or whatever or you know, like those kids who used to go on school year abroad or semester abroad and they come back and they'd be like, how do you say mm, hamburger, you know? And <laughs> you're like, it's, dude, you, you lived in London for, you know, three months. You know how to say hamburger. Um, anyway, I, um, I was, I was at the end of my rope, you know, and, um, it took, I would say about six months to really six months of just white knuckle, but really just like prepare, you know, stand by for con to get some, you know, prepare for contact, whatever, again, metaphor you want, you know, like the, the wave has come embrace and just, you know, use this and, 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 and don't give up, hold fucking fast. And, um, I was at rock bottom, but it wasn't like the rock stopped falling. You know, it wasn't like the, the iceberg was like, we're going to give you a pass on this one. It wasn't like the turbulence was just like, okay, cool. You're sober now. No. And I mean, in a way that's kind of good, you know, that that's good because if it had been really easy, you know, if you're just like, oh yeah, I got this sobriety thing and boom, I've got all this money in the bank and boom, you know, my ex-wife has stopped threatening to kill me. And oh man, you know, my mom is not sending private investigators to trace my car and things. Okay, cool. That's all awesome. You know, um, oh, now I'm not living in a, you know, a, a, a Melrose place wannabe, you know. Um, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have lasted, you know. <laughs> I mean, I had to kind of get, I had to, I had to go through the crucible. 
And so, so you're asking, okay, Gregory, how did you do it? Um, I, how, here's how I did it. Um, it was, let's, let's just be very clear. It was as black as black can be and as bleak as bleak can be. And all I knew was that they had some, they had salvation and they had, they had smiles and they had serenity in those rooms and I wanted it. So, you know, here's how I did it. I mean, you know, let's, let's be very clear. I got a sponsor on my second meeting. I did what I, what, if he told me to eat lima beans, I ate lima beans. You know, we met, we worked the steps, we talked, he busted my ass. If he didn't think I was doing enough, I went to meetings and I, I met with other guys, you know, I did what he told me to do and I didn't drink and I didn't die. You know, my personal story to this is that there were two other things that I think were vital to my success and my sobriety and my serenity. And I just want everybody to know that the last four days have been the most continuously happy four days of my life. Um, I had a, a God moment last Monday um, over in the Sampolo district um, on the way to yoga, actually. And, um, I was really down. I was really questioning myself and my life and all these things. And, you know, um, a song by Glenn Hansard called Her Mercy came on. And I'm going to do a different podcast episode, probably just about that. But man, I was on my knees in a campo, you know, in front of a chiesa, just sitting there crying my eyes out. I'm sure they were like, oh yeah, this is normal. Or, oh, um, there's another, you know, over, over stimulated slash, uh, self-involved American, but, um, whatever it worked for me, I had my God moment and it was like the seventh step all over again. And that rock just lifted and I felt so good. Um, so back to the book here, you know, how did I do it? Um, there were two sort of things personal to me that, and, and they're not personal or unique. They're just, these are parts of my story that I, and my recovery that I think are not necessarily in the big book. They're in the big book, but they're not, you know, part of the steps, let's say. Um, number one was I surrendered, you know, I did, I did step, you know, it's, it's steps one, two, and three, you know, but I, I surrendered. I just, I just was like, you know, my way isn't working and I'm at the end, I, I have all these plates on my bar and all these anxieties and all these things. And what I decided was none of it matters. Bankruptcy, hunger, um, none of it matters if I stay so, sober today. That, that I convinced myself that all of that would be taken care of by the universe, by God, by me, by somebody else other than the me inside my head you know, if I just stayed sober, you know, do the next right thing. You know, it's like the stone soup, you know, it's like, you know, but it starts with that stone, you know, it's like, you got to be sober and you're like, okay, it's the carrots and it's the meat, you know, doing the next right thing. But the, but the thing is that I had to start there and I gave myself a plus one. I redefined all notions of success in my life as being plus one and zero. Plus one was you stayed sober today. And you multiply, you just added the ones 
And if, if you got a zero, you're going to multiply it times zero, meaning you went back to zero and you were a zero. You know, you relapse. And I didn't relapse. I have never, I have been absolutely abstinent, sober, continuous and uninterrupted every single moment of every single 24 hours for every single week of every single month of every single year for the last four years. Um, and I am going to share with you guys the promises that came true to me in another episode, maybe later today. But I wanted to just say that that was number one, was just redefine success. Don't freaking worry about the rent. Don't worry about your car payment. Don't worry about your girlfriend. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about anything else. Just be like, number one today is I did not drink or use. Nothing. And you know what? You know what the funny thing is? Is all that stuff, all of a sudden it starts working out. You're not hungry. You're not broke. You're not homeless. You're not divorced. Well, you know, I, I was divorced, but you're not. You're not all those all those those things that are hap- that happen when you're drunk. I, I, you know, I was still divorced, but uh, but my point being, it, it's just it's beautiful, and that stuff starts working out, and God starts giving you the bounty when you when you have that plus one plus one plus one. I got fourteen hundred sixty one of those plus ones. And all you got to do is just don't drink and don't die and, and, and do the next right thing. And you're going to, you know, go to meetings, work the steps with it, get a sponsor, work the steps with your sponsor, sponsor other men or women, you know, be of service, conscious contact. So that's number one. Um, number two was, I, um, and this is very personal to me, not unique, again, just personal, was that I made... It was very important to me. I, I found a new therapist who was a woman. Um, I, I decided I needed a woman therapist um, because of what had happened to me as a child and a young man. And I needed somebody, I just needed somebody really good and who I really trusted and could, could you know. And I, for four years, have pretty much never missed a, a session with her for at least once a week, usually two hours a time. And um, I just absolutely committed to it. And we made promises to each other in the sense of, you know, my therapist was like, I mean, she's, you know, I, I just, I, I just, I, I owe her my life. I owe my sponsor my life and I owe her my life. They're my angels, you know, and my sponsor, you know, he was like, I want you to promise me that you will call me before you drink. That's all I want you to do. Just give me a chance to talk to you and you explain to me why you think that's a good idea. And then my therapist was like, I want you to promise me not to kill yourself. I want you to promise me basically that you're going to call me and you're going to give me a chance if, if that's where you are. And that's where I was. I mean, that's where I was when I came in, when I was came to, into her room, when I came into the rooms. Uh, that's where I was. I wanted to end my life. I was beset upon on all sides. I had people telling me, you know, I, I just, I, I had all kinds of stuff going on. Most of it of my own making, I'm sure. But it was fucking horrible. And I wanted to die. I wanted to leave my kids with life insurance. And, you know, I thought I was better off dead than alive. Worth more dead than alive, excuse me. Anyway, and, um, you know, she said, okay, you know, I want you to promise me you're not going to do that. 
you'll call me. And those two promises, you know, and I made this interlocking deal with myself that I would never, I wasn't going to drink and I would never take my own life sober in the sense of like, I would have to drink, like I would, I would need to be drunk to do it. And then I was like, and I don't ever want to see, I don't want my kids to be like dad died drunk. You know, I've known guys who've had their dads die drunk and it sucks. It's like, you know, they just, it leaves this stain of like, man, you were alone. You know, they're just so much sadness, this stain. It's not shame and it's not ridicule. It's, it's sadness and grief and your loved ones are like, you died alone and drunk and so hard, heartbroken, you know? And I was like, I don't ever want my kids to think that. So... You know, it was like, that was the deal. I just made those two promises. I'm not going to, I'm going to call my sponsor before I drink. I'm not going to drink, you know, and then I'm not going to kill myself. And, you know, so what happened? Oh my God. It's amazing. The life that I have, it's unbelievable. You know, that fear of financial insecurity, the fear of other people will leave us. You damn right. You're damn right. It, it'll leave us. You know, we realize we, we, we're doing, with God's help, those things we can't do for ourselves. That God's doing for us what we cannot do on our own. It happens. The incredible luxury of life and the luxury of this universe is so rich and bounteous and extravagant, and it's there for you. If you find that that divine spark, that juice, that sweet spot, that's how I did it, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I, I, I was militantly adhered to the big book and to my sponsor's directions. I redefined success as nothing in the world matters other than me being sober today and sticking to my promises. Those promises with the with my sponsor and my therapist. That's the three things. Militant, rigid adherence to the steps. Their suggestions, sure, but you know, hey, why 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 screw around with a good thing, you know? Number two, redefine success. Number three, get yourself an accountability circle, a therapist, a good spot, you know, and 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 make make those basic promises you know, and, and keep them and keep them. I love you. I love that everybody's sitting here listening to this. And, um, if it's one freaking person, just that candle out there, that light that I can be for you. Thank you. Let's do this. And I will be following up with more detail on how awesome things have gotten. But until then, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We're going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We're going to, we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the words serenity and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows. 
Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now I ask you, are these extravagant promises? We think not. They are being fulfilled among us, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They will always materialize if we work for them. God, thank you from every fiber of my being for giving me 1,461 days, four years of sobriety. I ask only for today, just for today. Please help me stay sober today if it be your will so I can spread the message to everyone who's sick and suffering inside and outside the rooms. Amen.